This episode contains adult language and topics that may be disturbing for some listeners. Such topics include suicide, drug use, physical or sexual abuse of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Crime. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Well, so far, so good, but it's very early. Sorry that I got you up so early. It's not your fault. Let's be real. (laughs) We're here for Molly anyway. Yeah, we are here for Molly. She had messaged us and said that she had a long drive today, so we decided to record a What the Hell's Going On just for Molly's drive, so. That's some serious service. I mean, come on. Hey, my favorite podcast, we're going to, I'm going to be on a drive, and then look at us. We're putting something for her on her drive. Man, that's some customer service. Well, part of the reason, too, is because the holidays kind of snuck up on us this year, guys, which hopefully some of you understand that. So for the next couple of weeks, our uploads are going to be kind of sporadic. You may have two in one week and then none the next week. So just kind of bear with us for the next few weeks. But if you have any long drives ahead, let us know. Maybe you'll get more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll feel guilty and make you an episode. <laughs> So this week, we're just going to chit chat about the current true crime news that people always ask us if we're following and request episodes on. And like we said before, we don't like to cover current cases because we're technologically impaired. So we usually don't get them out quick enough to be relevant. (laughs) That's true. But the answer to everyone's question is Erica is very aware of what's going on in the true crime world at all times. Even when I'm like, hey, did you hear about She's like, yeah, I've known about that for weeks. I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm just catching up. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, we follow them all. And we know you guys are interested in them and want to talk about them. So, in this episode, we're just going to kind of talk less formally about some cases that are current. Not that we're super formal usually, but <laughs> even less formal. So one of the first cases that we should probably talk about this week is Athena Strand. I don't know that one at all. So a quick summary for those of you that haven't heard of it, like Grant. Athena Strand was a seven-year-old girl who lived mostly with her mom in Oklahoma, but she spent time with her dad and her stepmom in Texas, too. And she happened to be with her dad and stepmom for the fall semester. So on Wednesday, November 30th, she got dropped off by the school bus at their home. And they lived on a pretty large property. The driveway was like 200 yards from the gate to the house. And it was a normal Wednesday afternoon, except that her dad was with her grandpa on their way to South Texas to go deer hunting. So it was just her and her stepmom at home and then her siblings. And her stepmom says that they got into an argument around 545 and her stepmom went inside to make dinner. And when she came outside to tell her dinner was ready, Athena was nowhere to be found. I do know this case. I know I know where this is going. Yeah. And so she looked around the property a bit. And then at 6.40 p.m., she called 911 to report her missing. She also called Athena's dad and him and his dad came right back to search for her. And within 15 minutes, there was law enforcement, friends, EMTs, volunteer fire department personnel. Like there was a huge search immediately of their six acre property. But there was no signs of Athena. And they searched until like 4.30 a.m. with canines and thermal imaging and helicopters and 
they left at 4.30 and they came back at 7 a.m. with even more volunteers and resources. Like, the community really stepped up. Yeah, and you would think with the thermal imaging, too, like, if anything was out there, they would find it with that. Yeah. So, I heard that it was upwards of 300 civilian volunteers. Wow. Good on them. You know, honestly, good for that community for coming together to try to find that little girl. Absolutely wonderful. Yep. An Amber Alert was issued on Thursday and the finger pointing and the speculation at the family kind of started immediately on the Internet like it always does. But the investigation was led by the Wise County Sheriff's Office and they just stayed laser focused and they figured this out. You know, the FBI was called in, the U.S. Marshals, the Texas Rangers, like they pulled out all the stops on this one. Wow, they brought in the Texas Rangers, huh? The law enforcement, not the baseball team. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Yeah. So at first they had thought that Athena ran away because of the bickerment with her stepmom. But as Wednesday turned into Thursday, they kind of changed their mind and they realized that maybe she might have been abducted. Then Friday afternoon, December 2nd, police held a press conference announcing that they had found the remains of seven-year-old Athena Strand. And she was like seven to ten miles from her home. So like far away for her, but like not terribly far away overall. Right, but she was obviously abducted. She didn't get there by herself. Right, no, of course. So they also announced that they had arrested 31-year-old Tanner Lynn Horner, and he was a contracted FedEx driver who delivered a package to Athena's house the day and time that she went missing. So they're charging him with kidnapping and and murder. They say he's the father of a newborn and that he confessed to killing her within an hour of kidnapping her. So... He's being held on a $1.5 million bond, and the prosecutor is going to seek the death penalty. Um, Was there anything he said on why he did it? Like, the, he, I'm guessing he doesn't have any kind of, like, criminal history before this. Like, what spurred this on? Yeah, he does have some sketchy stuff in his past. Apparently, he was accused of sexual assault a few years back, but he wasn't convicted of it. So it wasn't on his permanent record. Oh, my God. And there are some speculation that his excuse was that he accidentally hit her with his FedEx truck and then panicked and put her in the truck and then killed her. But that's just I mean, that's still wrong. (laughs) Like, like there's no, no. But that's not what happened. Well, of course not. But like, it's not a better scenario. No, but that's definitely not what happened because there's video on those FedEx trucks. Oh, wow. And And they say that in the video from the FedEx truck that Athena is talking to him. So it's not like he hit her and accidentally killed her with his truck. Like, even if he did hit her, she was fine. She was talking to him in the video. He's just a pedophile. Yeah, it certainly appears to be that way. I mean, they're seeking the death penalty. He's going to get the death penalty, whether in prison or in court. So, yeah, he's going to get it. either way. Yeah, it's coming, man. Like, and he chose the wrong state. I mean, every state is the wrong state to do something like this. But you like you're going to get the death penalty in Texas (laughs) and they're going to do it. Yeah. And they're going to follow through real quick. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, you have an express ticket to the front of the line here, bud. Yep. So his social media has a bunch of weird stuff on it, too. It says that he's a musician, but there's videos of him like singing Linkin Park songs and he is terrible, like worse than me. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like a joke that he's a musician or if he really thinks he's good. I don't know. He, obviously, he's got some problems. Would you describe yourself as a musician? Um, <laughs> no. You know every lyric to every song and know how it's supposed to go. No. That's the really sad case of Athena Strand, and they solved it within two days, which is amazing. 
That is pretty incredible. Good. And they brought everybody in too. So good on those guys. Yeah. You know, we see it yeah. far too much where police just don't do the, even the minimal that they're supposed to do. And, and this time they did everything they, they should have. And it was an open and shut case. So good job to these guys. And then some like they, I mean, they went above and beyond and the community. The community definitely stepped up. Yeah, it's a heartbreaking story, but it's like also uplifting a little bit in a way too because it's like, wow, people still give a shit about each other. That's kind of nice. That is, you know, the nice thing about Americans is we have all this terrible stuff, but when it comes time to, you know, be there for each other, we usually come through. Not always, but a lot of times. Yeah. So there's a few other like minor case update stuff, nothing really big, but in the Quentin Simon case, the 20-month-old that went missing from Chatham County, Georgia, the one with the shitty mom and grandma and they were out partying and drinking. Yeah, yeah. And they were searching for him in the landfill forever. Yeah, this is a great update. Yeah, the police finally, after over a month of searching the landfill, located the remains of baby Quentin and his mother Leilani was finally arrested and charged with murder. Was her mom arrested too? I never really saw if that had followed through or not. But and I don't know that she had necessarily anything to do with it, but she was awful as well with the, all the parting that she did with her daughter. The police actually announced that they probably won't be charging anybody else in the case. And a reporter specifically asked about the grandma, and he said no. Wow. Which to me is kind of like, I know you can't arrest her for murder if she wasn't involved in it, but she had custody of those kids and then left them with their mom who murdered them, who custody was removed from. So it's like, I feel like there's charges that could be right. Like there. That's very much neglect. Like You are in charge of them and you gave them to the person who shouldn't have them. Yeah, it's, uh, like, yeah, it feels like there should be charges, but I don't know. They said that there's not going to be, so. Let's get into the biggest case update that I think has happened in the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. This is massive. So Philadelphia's boy in the box, or America's unknown child, was finally solved. I can't believe it. Yeah. After all of these years of knowing this case, hearing of this case, everybody knows this case. Like, Boy in the Box is, it's practically standard vernacular in, you know, society. So. 65 years. Yes. He was a John Doe. Isn't that nuts? And police, through DNA testing, finally were able to figure out who he was. Yeah, through genetic genealogy. And it was actually Identifiers International that identified him, which is Colleen Fitzpatrick. She was one of the founders of DNA Doe Project. She's the president of Identifiers International now. Oh, no way. We met her at, at Comic-Con. Or <laughs> we met her at Crime <laughs> CrimeCon. No, we met Margaret Press at CrimeCon. Oh. We didn't meet Colleen Fitzpatrick. Well, great work either way. And also, we would have never gone to Comic-Con. Just Oh, I absolutely would go to Comic-Con. There is some weird stuff to be done there. I'm all for it. Oh, okay. I've never been, so, but I anyway, would go. So they, I, they announced his identity as four-year-old Joseph Augustus Zarelli. And he was from West Philadelphia and Born never and reported missing. <laughs> I knew you were going to make that joke. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy. And he was never reported missing by his family. Which, I mean, that begs a lot of questions, too. But I know that they said that there was like a, I guess, an orphanage, for lack of a better term, not too far away. Do they think he had anything to do with that at all? Or do they think like this came from his family? And they didn't really say. Okay, that's kind of what I got from it, too. I just didn't know if you had heard something I hadn't. Yeah, they say that both of his parents are deceased now. 
but he does sure. have living siblings and they're working to try to find family members that remember him or know the story of why his parents all of a sudden didn't have a kid that they had. Well, and the police said too that he has a number of siblings as well and like that's yeah. why they're not coming forward with more info. It's out of respect for that family, but this must be a major blow and and finding out what these siblings know is going to be extremely interesting. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons why this could be that he wasn't reported missing. You know, it could be that they, like you said, they gave him up for adoption or he was in foster care. Or, you know, they may not have even had custody of him at all. Absolutely, and that's kind of what they were alluding to at one point. I don't know if that's still yeah. the case. They also alluded to the fact that he had siblings on his mother's side and his father's side. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so this could have been one of those things where, you know, maybe he was born out of wedlock. Maybe he wasn't, yeah. you know, the mom that everybody is looking up up on the internet that was married to the dad for 55 years maybe she wasn't the biological mother yeah that could definitely be you know did they say anything about what like number of child he might have been like would he might have been the oldest and so maybe the youngest ones didn't know about him or didn't remember him or was he like the youngest or was he met any idea of like where he falls into that group yeah i'm pretty sure he's kind of like in the middle but like i said somebody should remember him Yeah, but it's pretty unclear if he is or isn't because the way they said it was that his birth mother had three children and he was one of them. But then when you look up on the internet, his birth father, which you're pretty sure based on the names, is his birth father. He's got way more than three children. So it's like, I don't. I don't know if that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, something's not lining up. There was some weirdness there. So we'll see what that story ends up shaking out. Yeah, but either way. At least they got his name back. They have something to put on his stone. Like, there's people who've, like, dedicated their entire careers to figuring out this little boy's identity. So this is huge. Huge. And you could tell, too, that the police who figured it out, like, it was big for them, too. Oh, yeah. Totally. And, of course, the questions they got at the press conference were like, are you going to do this with every John Doe? And they're like, absolutely. Obviously. Yeah, I know. He's like, no, we're just going to announce this historic case and new piece of, you know, that we have in our arsenal, like this new weapon. And then we're just going to not ever use it again. He's like, yeah, of course. (laughs) We're going to use it on everybody. Yeah. No, and that was kind of exactly what was said. That's really verbatim almost because he was like he answered two questions before anybody could ask him and yeah. that was one of them he's like and i know everyone's gonna ask are we gonna do this again absolutely yes like okay cool <laughs> yeah so anyway that's a really really good case update on the boy in the box that was one of those ones that's like is it ever gonna be solved and the farther you got away from it the less likely it was gonna be that they would ever solve it but Again, genetic genealogy doing their magic. I never thought it was going to get solved. I just thought that was one that was just too far gone. But here we are. Gives you hope for D.B. Cooper. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Like, (laughs) I mean, although they think that they've solved it four or five times by now. So, yeah. Well, there's another new there's another new recent suspect that this guy who researches, he's like the D.B. Cooper, you know, expert expert. Yeah. He's the one who puts on like Cooper Con and all that kind of stuff, which I would go to. Not <laughs> But anyway, um, he has another new suspect that he came up with, a guy that worked in a research lab for titanium. And it had to do with like the metal particles that were on the tie. Remember the titanium that was on the tie? Yeah. No, I definitely remember. There's it. like I, only yeah. one research lab in America that used that metal. It was like only for them. 
And so then he and found he this research lab and there was only eight guys that worked there. And then based on description of D.B. Cooper, he kind of narrowed it down to one guy. But you don't know for sure. But it's kind of a cool new lead. And he's pretty convincing with this one, too. Like I watched oh, that I know. whole But he's whole convincing thing every and... time he finds one. <laughs> Yeah, I believe that. Every time he comes up with a suspect, he convinces me. And then he proves himself wrong. And then he moves on to the next one. It's like, damn, I thought it was that one. (laughs) So anyway, another small update in the Delphi case, which I know you always want to cover and I won't. But they finally did make an arrest and they finally unsealed the PCA, although it's still heavily redacted. It's very redacted, but this is a huge piece of information, too. Like this it is. is this to me, I mean, is just as big as Boy in the Box, if not even bigger, because this guy is still very much alive and very much from the area. Yeah. And I hope they have more than what's in that probable cause affidavit, because it doesn't seem like there's a lot to it, except that he was on the bridge that day and they say there was an unspent bullet matched to a gun he owned but how good are ballistics on an unspent bullet i mean it seems like that would be arguable it does seem like it'd be arguable and they've known he was on the bridge since like that day so why now i'm hoping there's more to what they have than what they've released which is probably pretty likely because they've been pretty tight-lipped about this whole thing i think they have to be i mean they're gonna nail this guy This is their kind of their one shot. Yeah, but I just I really hope that it is him because and then at the same time, it's like, how could you have known about him from the beginning? And it took this long to make it. It's like, that doesn't seem good either. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll see what happens in that case. But the big one that everybody is talking about is the recent University of Idaho murders. Again, huge case and not a lot. Of development in it. No. But it is mysterious and it has the internet going wild. You especially, but you're right. The whole internet is going nuts. Yeah. Well, there's like 6,000 rabbit holes you could go down forever. For those of you who've been in a coma or something and haven't heard of this case, a real brief (laughs) summary is that five girls lived in a house together just off campus in Moscow, Idaho, and they were all students at the University of Idaho. And on Saturday, November 12th, into the early morning hours of the 13th, They were all out doing stuff, partying and stuff, and they got home at different times. But between 3 and 4 a.m., someone came into their house and brutally stabbed three of them and one of their boyfriends who was staying over to death. Two roommates survived completely unharmed, but the other three and one of their boyfriends were brutally murdered. So the victims were Zaina Kernodal and her boyfriend Ethan Chapin, who were believed to be found on the second floor, and best friends Madison Mogan and Kaylee Gonsalves, who were believed to be on the third floor. And the two surviving roommates were believed to be in the basement. There's a lot of speculation, too, and like about the basement people and like how they weren't mm-hmm. found out. But like it was a three-story house, and that basement was what they called like the ground level or the first floor, I suppose. So... Mm-hmm. It was kind of separate and detached, and unless you knew this house well, I don't think you would know that these people were down there. I don't think you'd know that that was a, a an area where people were staying, you know what I mean? Right, because you enter on what they're calling the second floor. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And from what I've heard about this house is it's kind of one of those like where they keep adding on. It's like a six-bedroom, three-bathroom house. And they keep adding on to it. Like, so some of these are additions. They're not original to the house. So you have interior walls that used to be exterior walls. So there's a lot of speculation about how did these two girls not hear anything? And it's like, well, from somebody who used to live in that house, they gave an interview. I forget where I saw it. I'll have to 
find that. But he said that he lived in the basement of this house and you couldn't hear shit that was going on in the house from the basement. And I think that's makes sense, especially on the third floor of this house, you know, like right. there's enough space between where you're not going to hear a ton of stuff. Yeah. So they were discovered Saturday afternoon by law enforcement when a 911 call was placed around noon reporting an unconscious person. The call came from one of the surviving roommates' phones, but police said multiple people talked to the 911 operator. So this causes another big speculation, like why would the surviving roommates call friends over before they called police about their murdered roommates? I can say that college kids are stupid usually, <laughs> and they don't know what to do. Like, I mean, they, it's just true. Like, yeah. people in college are generally pretty dumb. They might be book smart, but when it comes to life stuff, a lot of the time, they just don't know yet. You know, like, yeah. they're they're just still so fresh and new to being on their own. I'm not terribly surprised that they called somebody else yeah. first to make sure that's what they should be doing. The other thing is that everybody's just assuming that they called other friends first because other friends were there. But this is a college town and they live in an area where there's frat houses and sorority houses everywhere. Like, it's possible that friends stopped by and that's what woke up the roommates in the basement. Very true, too. Absolutely. And then they all were like, hey, how come Zan and Ethan haven't woken up yet? Or how come Kaylee and Maddie haven't woken up yet? You know? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are like, how did they not see all the blood and everything? It's like, well, if their doors were locked, maybe that's why they called about an unconscious person. Maybe they yeah. were trying to knock on their door and they weren't answering. Or they were calling them and they could hear their phones ringing in the room, but they weren't answering. Yep. That's a, that's a good thought. Good theory. I think there's a lot of things that that 911 call is going to explain once it's released, but it hasn't been released yet. So now it's just wild speculation, you know? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of speculation has been pretty wild about this, too. Like, there's a lot oh, yeah. of th theories that are swirling around. So much so that the police had to say, like, hey, you Quit can't just accuse. Yeah, exactly. You can't just accuse anybody and everyone. Yeah. So another thing that came out pretty quickly was that Kaylee had recently broken up with her long-term boyfriend, Jack, and she and Maddie had called him a bunch of times that night between like 2 and 3 a.m., but he was asleep and didn't answer. They even texted him, and one of the texts said something like, Jack, we have a dog together. You need to answer or something like that, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cute. But apparently they they had been together for a really long time and they had recently broken up. But everybody said it was not one of those things where it was like super hate. Like they were still like they were together. They probably weren't going to stay broken up. Yeah, that's what everybody says is that it was unlikely they would stay broken up. But of course, because he's the last person they called and they called him a bunch of times, people throw his name out there. You know, and the family's been very clear. They're like, it is not Jack. There's no way it's Jack. It's not I'd like Jack. to say a PSA as well, just for any of our younger listeners out there. Don't get a dog with anybody you're dating in your 20s. It's just not a good idea. And you're probably going to break up anyway. And then one of you is not going to have the dog. And it's just it's a bad situation. So, yeah, just don't get a dog until you're like married and have kids or something. Yeah. And obviously don't get kids either. That's that's the bigger deal. Well, I mean, they're even worse. There are a lot more to take care of. I can I can attest to that. So the police in their first press conference said the attacks were like personal and targeted and there was no threat to the public. They were pretty clear about that. But they had no suspect and nobody was in custody. There was no persons of interest. So, of course, everybody's freaking out. They're like, well, how can you say this is targeted when you don't know who it is? 
it was pretty clear that they were just trying to make it so that everybody didn't panic, yeah. thinking there was a quadruple murderer on the run. But it's like, hey, we're not idiots. There's a quadruple murderer on the run. <laughs> like, we're panicking. That's that's, that's where exactly it's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter if they were targeted or not. What did they do that made them a target? They were just being college kids, which is what everybody else in this town is doing. So it's like, Ugh. so of course all the kids were freaking out and the parents of the kids were freaking out and everybody went home early for Thanksgiving break because this was like a week before Thanksgiving break. And they were just like, see ya and just ghost town. The whole place turned into a ghost town. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're not from there, I'm I'm leaving too. Hell yeah. yeah. No, I'm never going back until they get it until they get somebody in custody. And even then probably I'll just transfer to a different school. <laughs> right? So I get that. Moscow police called in the Idaho State Police and the FBI to help because this is a small town and it's not really equipped to deal with this. I mean, they hadn't had a murder for seven years before this. And obviously that murder was not a quadruple homicide. So I think that was smart that they brought in the the big guns. No, I think so, too. I think it was needed. And I commend the police absolutely for doing that right away, too. Like they didn't hesitate. No, and it's like, I don't think there's any shame in being like, hey, we're not equipped to deal with a quadruple homicide. It's like, who is? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be. That's the whole thing is like, this is a nice, quiet, safe town. Like, it's understandable that you're not equipped to deal with that. 100%. And everybody says it like it's a small town. We're not equipped to do it. But even in a big city, a quadruple homicide is not super common. Like, that's still very rare. I don't know. That that always bugs me when people are like, oh, this rural police department, they don't know how to deal with this. It's like, nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> like, this and is going to be a really, yeah, like... yeah, this is going to be a really, really complicated crime scene, especially because of the way they were killed with, with this. St- I mean, the blood and the commingling of DNA. If you use the same knife, all four victims' DNAs are going to be mixed in together, plus hopefully the perpetrators. Plus, this is a college house where six girls live and people are coming in. Everybody's DNA is in that house, I'm sure. Everywhere. Lots of it. Yeah. It's college. So, of course it is. Yeah. So this is going to be a really, really complicated crime scene for the lab. So the timeline kind of from the night before is pretty solid, but there's a couple of little gaps. But Zane and Ethan were supposedly at a frat house party and everybody was thought they were there until like 145. But then there's been some speculation that they may have left around nine and that we don't really know where they were from nine to 145. But it's kind of unclear. And there's lots of rumors about where they could have been. And we're not going to go into any of those because it would take nine hours. (laughs) And Kaylee and Maddie were at a bar called The Corner Club, and then they went to a food truck called Grub Truck, which is like a pretty popular food truck that sells pasta to drunk kids at 2 a.m. Perfect. Just what they yeah. need. Honestly. I know. I was <laughs> like, dude, I wish we had a Grub Truck. We had a taco truck, which is still good. Yeah. But it's like- Still super good. Yeah, of course. But it's like, I want that death by garlic mac and cheese they have. Sounded bomb. That does sound bomb. I love garlic. So anyway, this food truck is super popular and it was caught on video because apparently they do like a live stream Twitch thing. I don't know what that is. It's some kind of gamer thing. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something where basically you can watch somebody play a video game live- and watch yeah but this was a food truck so it's like i guess you could just watch anybody doing anything live i would assume so and i don't know why anybody would but yeah i don't either people watch anything honestly although honestly i've watched this grub bus video like 400 times (laughs) but that's only because it's 
Well, it's, but uh, but that's only because the two girls in this video were murdered brutally like an hour later. So it's like you want to watch it now, but like before this happened, it's like, why would you watch this? I don't get it. But I'm glad they filmed it because now they have all this stuff to watch. So anyway, they get their food from the grub bus and then they take like a private Uber, they called it. It was like a through their sorority, a designated driver program thing. Mm-hmm. And they took one of those home and they got home around 2 a.m. and they let the dog out to go potty. And then presumably went upstairs and called Jack a bunch of times until they either fell asleep or something bad happened to them. So in the video from the grub bus, there is a guy. They call him Hoodie Guy, but we also find out his name is also Jack. Well, it's John, but he goes by Jack. Oh, Jack's up there. Yeah, dude. There's like three or four Jacks and a Jake in this story. It's real confusing. So everybody's calling the grub truck guy Hoodie Guy because you can't keep all the Jacks straight. <laughs> So this hoodie guy kind of follows them at the grub truck and kind of stands behind them. He's wearing a hoodie with his hands in his pocket. And he follows them from like where they order to where they're waiting for their food. And he just kind of stares at them and watches them. And then when they get their food and they run to their private car, it almost seems like they're ditching him. Like we've all been there at a bar where a guy's following you around. You're just party ninja, we call it. Yeah. A lot of people call it Irish exit, I've learned. But yeah, party ninja was the one we grew up with. Yeah, and you just kind of like, when they're looking the other way, you just exit. (laughs) Yeah, bye. See you later. So that seems like what they did, and then he kind of throws, when he realizes that they leave, he kind of throws his hands up in the air like, what the hell? And then he takes off and kind of turns a corner and goes the opposite way. But there's a lot of speculation that they ditched him, you know, and then he got mad or something. But the police have publicly said that they don't suspect the ex, the hoodie guy, the driver of the Uber, the two surviving roommates. Like, they've said publicly that all these people that we know of are all cleared. Yeah, but that's not permanent. They can always go back to them if, like, something was up, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they say they're cleared, but that could just be a tactic by the police, too. Like... A lot of times they say that like, oh, no, we don't suspect any of these people so that these people have like a false sense of confidence and then they make a mistake. Yeah. They just go about their normal lives and then they tell somebody or they slip up somehow because they have this like confidence that they've been cleared. I mean, nobody is going to be cleared until somebody's arrested for this and prosecuted and then everybody else will be cleared. But the lack of info is kind of what got the rumor mills going. I get it. Trust me, I'm in them. (laughs) You were deep. But the families are frustrated, though, and I get it. I mean, they're not getting anything more than we're getting. You know, I mean, I'm sure they have a little more than we have, but obviously not much because they're pretty worried. Right. And they're pretty pissed with, like, how little they know. Yeah. They're hiring private investigators and lawyers. They're worried that four weeks out, there's no suspects. Like, they're worried this case might go cold. And it's complicated crime scene. That's the one thing that I keep telling myself is, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, it's already been four weeks. And I keep trying to tell myself it's only been four weeks. Sure. Like, even toxicology reports take six to eight weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's expecting an arrest tomorrow. And it's like they have a really complicated crime scene and they have to get it right. They are starting to get lab results back from different blood typing and stuff. But they said they're still waiting on DNA and, you know, because certain lab results take less time than others. Like blood typing can take way less time than DNA. That makes sense. They did say that the tox probably doesn't have a lot to do with this case. Like, obviously, they were not poisoned to death or drug over. You know, there was nothing 
even if they had all been drinking, that was not their cause of death. So it probably, toxicology is not going to have a lot to do with it. But I'm just saying lab results in general take a really long time. Right. And the families are also frustrated with like the wishy-washy because at first they said it was targeted and personal and all that kind of stuff. And then they kind of walked that back later on and they were like, well, actually, we don't really know, you know. And then they said it was targeted again. It's like, well, if you won't tell us why they were targeted then and you don't know who did it, how can you know it was targeted? Yeah. So, and even if it was targeted, that still doesn't mean that the public's not in danger because you haven't caught the guy. So the public's still in danger. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm sure the police are definitely feeling the pressure of all this. This is a big deal for them. Mm-hmm. So the wishy-washiness on whether it was targeted or not kind of started the theory trying to connect it to serial killers. They found a couple of other multiple victim homicides where stabbing was the cause of death in the middle of the night while they were sleeping. And... I- Weirdly, the other ones that they found were also on the 13th of the months that they happened, and they were in one was in Washington and one was in Oregon. And with where they these happened in Idaho, Washington and Oregon aren't too far away from the border, right? No, no, no. The, where the one in Pullman, Washington was is only like 20 minutes away or something. Right. So, I mean, this is definitely starting to make me feel like there might be a serial killer out there. Yeah. Well, it's super possible. It's super possible. Absolutely. I mean, just the manner of death is the same. And we know already just from what we know about serial killers is once they find a way that they like, they typically stick with that. But the police are saying pretty quickly that they don't think they're related. But it's like, if you don't know who did any of them, they're all unsolved. How can you know that they're not related? Right. Exactly. I don't know. Like I said, the, the police have been pretty clear, though, about certain people being cleared, like Kaylee's boyfriend, Maddie's boyfriend, all three Jacks, the grub bus guy, the surviving roommates. You know, so that I think that's another thing why people are leaning towards the serial killer thing, because it's like at first you're like, obviously, this is somebody they knew and pissed off. But then when the police are like, no, we cleared everybody they know. It's like, oh, well, maybe it's a serial killer then. Yeah. So there's only been a few things that we found out recently that one of them is that. Kaylee and Maddie's means of death do not match, according to her dad, that they likely died together in Maddie's bed, but that Kaylee's injuries were significantly more brutal. Well, wasn't that because it showed signs that she had fought back, too? Yeah, it could be. Could be. Or it could be because she was the target. It could be because... You know, if she was in Maddie's room, Maddie could have been the target and somebody got them confused because they were both blondes. Yeah. It's like, I don't think that really says anything in itself. So, I mean, it sucks, but I don't think it says anything about the crime. So just this week, which has been four weeks since the murder, there was body cam footage that was released from 3 a.m. in the field that's kind of between the Sigma Chi house and the house where the girls and Ethan were murdered. And so you could see the house behind the police in the body cam video. And it's from 3 a.m. So it's likely from right around the time where they were murdered. Yeah. So, and the police announced they are now looking for the occupants of a 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra, white. Oh, man. Thank goodness. I think I used to own a Hyundai Elantra, but it wasn't white. You owned a Hyundai Sonata, didn't you? I owned an Elantra first, and then I owned a Sonata. Good memory. Oh, you were killing it. Well, they have a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty, so like I couldn't say yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So 
we'll see if the tips that are pouring in about the Hyundai Elantra lead anywhere. So far, the cops have just said they've gotten a lot of tips, but they, they haven't said if it's led to any suspects or anything. And it could not even be a suspect. It could just be a car that they saw in that body cam video. And they were like, well, maybe this car saw somebody running or walking or, so, you know. Sure. But hopefully it's somebody fleeing the scene and they can find them and arrest them and it's them, the murderer. Yeah. So the latest update as of today was a warning issued by the police that states investigators have been monitoring online activity related to this ongoing and active case and are aware of a large amount of rumors and misinformation being shared, as well as harassing and threatening behavior towards potentially involved parties. Anyone engaging in threats or harassment, whether in person, online or otherwise, needs to understand that they could be subjecting themselves to criminal charges. Which is 100% of the reason why we are not going into all the suspect theories on this episode. (laughs) But we have them. We need to protect ourselves. Well, I mean, at least somebody might get arrested in this case. It might not be the murderer, but it'll be the internet sleuth. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And it won't be us. Won't be us, because we didn't say nothing. Can't get us this time, guys. Yeah, so anyway, if you have any information on the quadruple homicide of these kids, the telephone number is 208-883-7180, or you can email tipline at ci.moscow.idaho.us, or digital media can be sent to fbi.gov slash Moscow, Idaho. And I do know that it's pronounced Moscow, Idaho, but if you send it to the, if I say Moscow, and then you send it to Moscow instead of Moscow, they'll never get it. So I had to mispronounce it to read the email addresses right, is what I'm saying. Well, thank goodness. What would we do without you? Because it's spelled Moscow, like Moscow, Russia, but they pronounce it Moscow. Well, we won't get into the specifics on why that probably is, but... Uh, <laughs> I think you can figure it out. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> but we didn't say anything. So if you're offended by that, that's on you. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but it's not on us. Yep. So anyway, I know this episode was short and sweet, guys, but well, not so sweet. There was a lot of murder. Yeah, there's not a lot. It wasn't a very sweet episode, but it was, it was a shorter one. So Molly, you're welcome. Yeah, Molly, I hope your drive is quicker now that you heard from us. And we love all of you guys. And if anybody has any case suggestions for future episodes, send them our way on Instagram or email them to us or... Well, Erica, where would they find our Instagram or our email? I don't know. That's your job, Grant. Uh, (laughs) Okay. You can visit us on Instagram at From Crime to Crime, our TikTok at From Crime to Crime, or you can send us an email at From Crime to Crime podcast at gmail.com. And as always... Don't forget to change your Amazon smile to DNA Dough Project. Hash Brown nailed it. Hash brown. You like that? Are you hungry? No, it's just, it's good. Is it a hashtag? Hash brown? I'm changing, I'm changing this up. I think it's going to sweep the nation. Yeah. I've heard that term before. Probably for me. You're welcome. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, we got to get going because you have to get to horseback riding lessons and I have to edit this podcast to get it up for Molly. (laughs) that's true all right well thank you for visiting us here guys we love talking to you and if you have anything like we said you can find us online and we will be sure to respond all right guys well we will see you next week or whenever maybe (laughs) sooner maybe later (laughs) we'll we'll get around to it so we'll see we'll see you then all right love you buddy all right love you too bye bye